0: It's update time. Let's get an update on farmers' use of online buying opportunities and an update on the sentiment of farmers and how that might impact their decision-making in the months ahead. And it's Wednesday. That means it's time for this week's Farmer Forum.
1: Live from Hump Day Base Camp 1 via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk This Morning. We'll begin with Dr. Jim Mintert from Purdue University. Then it's our Farmer Forum with panelists Tim Gregerson and Brad Nelson. Right after the news, Margie Ecclecamp from The Scoop. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right,
0: Davis, yes. Thank you and welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. That is Davis. Looking forward to the conversation with Dr. Jim and with the farmers today, Tim and Brad. We put the team back together again, and uh, looking forward to that conversation. Hey, real quick, yesterday morning we had a conversation with Brett Griffin. It was a lot of fun, and he's darn curious about where his food is coming from. You can find out all about that, and find out about uh, leading the field with Brett Griffin on Farm Journal's YouTube page. The first three episodes are currently available. I've watched all three; they they are outstanding there are four more to come in november so you can find leading the field with Brett Griffin Farm Journal's YouTube page find it now it's it's good stuff davis uh um, yes. the the harvest progress is still just zooming ahead you know yeah. it, after we saw the progress report on on monday from you know as of sunday i was thinking man we're to the point now where guys can take a deep breath. Nobody took a deep breath. Everybody is still pushing as hard as they can to get things done. And then when you take a, a look at the weather forecast and what things hold for us, uh, that's a little understandable with a chance of rain over some widespread areas coming up later this week. So heads up on that. Heads up on that. Um, Indeed. Yeah. You got a lot of news today. That I, I, I do.
1: Yeah. Let, do let's go ahead it? and
0: jump right to it. Yep.
1: Right on. Well, private businesses in the United States unexpectedly created 239,000 jobs in October. That's the most in three months and well above market forecasts. The hiring, however, was not broad-based with the services providing sector-leading job creation. Jobs were lost in information, business, financial activities, and education. The goods sector shed 8,000 jobs, mainly due to manufacturing constraints. Chip? Okay, this
0: this is going to sound like i'm citing on on that i'm not saying that the job creation is not a good thing but this is still recovery stuff when Mm -hmm. you look at this, this is happening in the services sector so in other words the the restaurants are saying listen hey we finally got people coming back in here we used to have 12 wait staff on uh, wait staff we're sitting here with six let's at least get to eight right I think that's what's happening in a lot of this and that's what's what's adding these unexpected jobs. It's still recovery mode. it's not like we're we're back at pre-pandemic levels on it.
1: Well SP Global's final eurozone manufacturing purchasing managers index fell to a 29 month low of 46.4 mm-hmm. in October. An index measuring output dropped to 43.8, marking the fifth straight monthly contraction. Chip a reading below 50.0 is contraction, and that output uh, figure at 43.8, I don't like that.
0: No, nobody likes that. I mean, this, this, we we've anticipated some tough times for the eurozone, and this kind of locks it in, and and uh, the businesses expect it as well.
1: Well, U.S. financial institutions spent nearly $1.2 billion on likely ransomware-related payments last year, most commonly in response to breaches originating with Russian criminal groups, according to the Treasury Department. The payments more than doubled from 2020, underscoring the pernicious damage that ransomware continues to wreak on the private sector.
0: We talk about biosecurity on the farm. You better ramp up your cybersecurity, too.
1: USDA's chief economist on Tuesday said after reaching a record high in 2022, U.S. farm exports will plateau amid global uncertainty. The strong dollar and slower economic growth worldwide will be a drag on exports now forecast by USDA at $193.5 billion this fiscal year. That's down slightly from the estimated record of $196 billion in the fiscal year that ended September 30.
0: Yeah, but still a very critical uh, part of agriculture here is the export sector. And when you look at what it does for the livestock markets in particular, wow, it, it helps a lot.
1: Well, Chip, with natural gas prices falling sharply, commodity research firm CRU International estimates fertilizer output is now at about 63% of total capacity. It's up from a low of around 37% at the start of October. Still, gas prices remain higher than before russia's invasion of ukraine which threatens to limit production for some time to come mexican officials have given conflicting signals on whether the coming gmo corn ban would apply to corn imported for feed or only to corn imported for food use usda secretary tom vilsack said he expects the situation to become clearer in 2023 David Wasserman of the Cook Political Report says the group has shifted 10 more districts in deep blue states in Republicans' direction. North Korea fired at least 23 ballistic missiles today, including one that was the first to fly over a nautical border with South Korea. And finally, Saudi Arabia and the U.S. have shared information indicating Iran may attack Saudi Arabia or other countries in the region sometime soon. Chip. Yeah,
0: Wasserman says that our best estimate remains a GOP gain of 12 to 25 house seats. So that's the latest with one week with less than a week to go to the elections. Thanks, Davis. Let's bring yeah. in Margie EchoCamp, editor of The Scoop. Good morning, Margie.
2: Good morning, Chip.
0: All right. So what's happening with the online purchases? Are we seeing an increase?
2: You know, we have five years of data now from a mm-hmm. farm journal study talking about exactly that crop input purchase behavior. What makes this study unique is that we are specifically focusing on seed fertilizer, and crop protection purchases. Now, farmers have told us over time in 2018, about 8% of farmers were buying some of their inputs online. Not all, but some, okay? Here in 2022, the email study was done just last month in October, and we are up to 18% of farmers saying they are buying some of their crop inputs online. Now, Chip, a couple of questions you may have is, One, for those who don't buy online, why? Well, we're actually seeing pretty static responses there. So really the ball is in the retailer's court to help give that value proposition of perhaps why should it be easier for them to buy online? And what retailers are telling us is the number one reason why farmers are logging on to their grower portals or those online accounts with their retailer of choice would be they like to check their invoice. So interesting development there. We kind of have these two factors converging, right? Farmers are trying to seek as much input uh, procurement as they can with options with this supply chain. You're also having retailers who are seeing a value in offering products and services and information online and. again, a 10% increase over five years. So definitely building momentum.
0: Yeah. Movement. There is movement in that. So I would guess that it only accelerates from here and and we will continue to track it. Thank you, Margie. Thank you, Chip. Yeah. Get more on that story at Okay. What is going on with the ag economy? Where do we stand with the barometer? Dr. Jim Minturk, Purdue University, is up next to give us the details.
3: To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation
4: engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time.
1: AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today.
0: Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chief Florey. Hey, Davis, let's make time for Yields in the Fields.
1: Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by MicroEssentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. Chip, this morning we're checking in in central Minnesota, Candiohi County. Yeah. Where they say harvest is moving along quickly, yields running a touch above average, and moisture is lower than usual for this time of year. Once again, we're finding some uh, lower moisture than yep. expected.
0: Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. Who's that brought to us by?
1: That's brought to us by by mosaic that's yields in the fields
0: all right thank you very much davis let's get to the conversation now with dr james Mintert, ag economist and director of the purdue university cme ag economy barometer uh jim works with michael langemeyer there at purdue university to put this thing together jim welcome back glad that you are here how are you
5: very good thanks uh great to be back chip
0: Jim there's interesting movement all over the place in this month's update the October update I would you know how we normally do this I normally try to pull something out that I think is most interesting I'm gonna back away from that that routine a bit because I wonder what you think is most interesting from this month's update.
5: Oh, you know, I think one of the things that's really interesting is the fact the index was down, the ag economy barometer was down 10 points this month, and that leaves it about 16% below where it was this time last year. And this month, we went back and kind of looked at the barometer itself relative to where it was when we started collecting data in 2015, uh, towards the end of 2015 and 2016. And the barometer is slightly higher than it was then, but not much. But when you make the comparison to farm income, there's a dramatic change. Net farm income averaged over 2021 and 2022 compared to net farm income averaged over 2015 and 2016. We're up about 40%. And yet the barometer is hovering, I guess, at at levels that are pretty close to where we were in 15 and 16. So it's pretty obvious that the weakness in sentiment we've seen the last roughly year and a half now, Approaching two years, um, isn't really about income. It's about yes. uncertainty, risk, uh, concern about you know having this, these large dollar investments and in crops going into the ground, and the risks that we'll be able to cover or not cover those those uh, costs. Uh, uncertainty about you know what it costs to buy machinery. You know people continue to tell us. Uh, the number one reason for not thinking now is a good time to make an investment is just the price of what yeah. it costs to buy new farm machinery. And yet in the yeah. backdrop of that, people are still doing stuff, right? They're still buying tractors. Yep. Um, every farmland auction we hear of says it farmland values big. are at record highs, certainly right. in the corn belt. And yet we're picking up this anxiety. So people are doing things. And you know, to some extent, it probably depends on who you are, what... What level of equity you are, what size of operation you are, you know, when you made your sales, etc. But there is just a tremendous amount of anxiety out there. I guess is what I think we're picking up overall with the barometer.
0: Right. I. <laughs> that was the most interesting thing that I saw in in. Well, maybe not the most interesting thing, but it was very interesting that here we are right back at the base. Uh, you've got the. Uh, just to get the well the overall barometer is at 102 so I'm like you said hovering right there at the base the current conditions index 101 the future expectations at 102 and matching up with what we saw 1516 is basically what it means now what does that tell us about the the barometer itself Jim it does it, it because it seems to me that that what it does, is it removes some of the the noise on the outside and really gets to the core of how farmers are feeling about their situation today?
5: Well, I think this is probably what you're saying, Chip. It's a sentiment index. it yep. It asks people, you know how do you feel about these issues and, and uh, yep. financial issues or health of your farm, uh, both current and looking ahead, health of the ag economy, both current and looking ahead. Uh, how do you feel about making big investments? It's how do you feel, which isn't the same thing as asking people to take a quick look at your income statement, take a quick look at your balance sheet, and then tell me how you feel. Those, right. those really aren't exactly the same thing.
0: That's and, right. You know, I,
5: we're, we're picking up a lot of the same things that are showing up in the consumer sentiment surveys, right? People are very anxious about you know what's taking place with inflation. Well, for farmers, it's about consumer inflation. They're worried about that. Um, But they're also very concerned about the cost of their inputs. And, of course, ag inputs have gone up more rapidly, much more rapidly than consumer items. And so that's kind of a double whammy for for ag producers. Um, And then, you know, it's in agriculture, we're always having to make investments and make decisions that are just not for the current environment, but longer term. Mm -hmm. And this uncertainty has made that really, really difficult. And then- I think for the folks that are not stepping in and buying farmland, for example, you know, the people that are not active bidders at those farmland values, I think that's probably creating some anxiety for them, thinking about, well, how could I expand because I can't afford to pay those kind of prices? Um, I think what's taking place, you know, we haven't seen much data yet with respect to cash rents for 2023, but our preliminary indications are cash rents are going up for 23 and you're thinking, "Gee, how can I how can I compete in this environment when people are some other people in our in our uh, business line are actually apparently able to outbid me." And I think that creates some additional anxiety on the part of the folks that maybe are not the active bidders at the cash rent auction or not active bidders at the farmland auction.
0: Right. Interesting. All right, just to wrap up this this part of the conversation with Jim, uh if you are wondering exactly how the current environment compares to 2015-16 and i'm taking this straight from from the barometer's report usda estimates uh usda estimates indicate that us inflation adjusted us inflation adjusted net farm income averaged across 2021 and 22 is more than 40% above the 2015-16 average so it you're right the it, it's it is sentiment going forward that uh, that we're looking at um chip the, let me hop in here for one second can yeah, i do that yeah go ahead but before yep.
1: we get off these the land values and the the behaviors within the market here jim um both the short and long term farmland value indices rose on the month but interestingly fewer farmers chose non farm investor demand as the primary driver for for that rise uh rather choosing inflation as the reason they expect to see values rise. That feels like a significant shift.
5: Well, it looks like it when you look at the chart. And I guess, you know, I have to admit, Davis, we don't know exactly what to make of that. So to put that in context for the listeners, last month, 62% of the people in the survey said their number, these are only to the people that think farmland values are going to go up. 62% of them said it was because of non-farm investor demand. This month, that dropped to 47%. But the percentage who chose inflation as their top reason, last month was 22%. This month was 35%. Wow. And I guess the part that's difficult there, Davis, is how do you disentangle non-farm investor demand from inflation? Because if you think about mm. non-farm investors, perhaps one reason why they might be in the marketplace is because they view farmland as a hedge against inflation. Right. So. I guess my real answer to you is we're going to keep asking this question and see what happens over the next few months and see if we see (laughs) that change over time. Because I I kind of view those. And the one reason we have both of them in there is because we kind of view that as sort of a joint product. Um, But, you know, the inflation side could be a hedge for against inflation for farmers, not just non-farm investors. So, okay. uh,
0: Jim, there, there's some really important stuff that we need to get in here, and we've only got <laughs> just a little over a minute yet. Take me to the farm policy portion of the survey that you did. Give me some of the highlights.
5: Yeah, so, you know, in, in thinking about the possibility of a you know, new farm bill in 23, we thought it'd be useful to ask some questions. And I guess the surprise was when we asked people about which following policies or programs will be most important to my farm in the next five years, 36% the number one choice was interest rate policy. Yeah. Yeah. That was surprising. Crop insurance came in high and that that was what we kind of thought would come in number one. Crop insurance came in at 27% of the people in the, in the survey choosing that. But interest rates are definitely on people's minds. They are very concerned about that. The other things that we had in there came in much lower. Environmental policy came in at 16% uh, conservation and climate policy were essentially tied in the 7, percent, 10 to 11 percent range. But right. interest rates, a little over one third of the people in the survey said that was their number one policy concern going forward.
0: Does it surprise you that you got that there was such a high response to the effectiveness of the ARC county and the price loss coverage programs, given the the current reference prices compared to reality? Well, <laughs> oh, shoot. That, that was problem, too big that, of a question but, with such level yeah, of time.
5: Yeah, we had seventy-two percent said they were either somewhat effective or very effective, and I think people are probably looking back on it from a historical perspective. Okay, I, I don't, I don't think they think that keeping those prices, especially yeah. the PLC prices where they at, is a good idea.
0: I, yeah, Jim, we're out of time. Jim Minter, Purdue University. Thanks, buddy.
3: With the experts from Pro Farmer.
0: Wow, Beach. Uh, Pro Farmer editor, Brian Grady. So, let's see. It's off again, and then it was, well, yeah, it's off again, but maybe not. And now it's on again with grain trade out of Ukraine. And the wheat market is still willing to respond to the headlines, isn't it?
6: Absolutely, Chip. Uh, You know, I I said it yesterday, but uh, just, you know, and I've said it repeatedly, but the the wheat market remains hypersensitive to every headline that's coming out of uh, Russia and Ukraine on that situation. And and the flavor of the day is bearish, and and they're absolutely hammering the market. So, uh, well, keep in mind, uh, we still have that November 19th deadline uh, for the end of this uh, initial 120-day period. So uh, there's going to be a lot more volatile trade in the days ahead here, Um, you know, I doubt that uh, it's probably going right down to the 11th hour, and uh, it's going to flip-flop back and forth uh, over the next couple weeks here.
0: Spillover pressure on corn?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, the corn market, uh, like I mentioned, uh, Ukraine exports a whole heck of a lot more corn than they do wheat, but uh, the wheat market's the one that's that's hypersensitive, and and, uh, corn is much uh, more of a follower um, and trading sharply lower, but off its lows here at uh, mid-session.
0: All right, crude oils bumping 90 bucks, soybean oils at 75 cents, and that's got beans trading close to unchanged. Take us over to the livestock trade. What's happening?
6: Yeah, a really disappointing trade in the, the uh, live cattle market this week. Uh, you know, trading below where last week's uh, cash average was. Uh, so um, that's kind of a pessimistic attitude, uh, given that we expect uh, the strength in the cash market to continue. Feeders are being supported by the weakness in the corn market, and hog futures are under heavy pressure here.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Brian. That's Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. we got the Farmer Forum in
1: one minute. Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, Agritalk is live every weekday. All right, I'm looking forward to
0: this. Welcome back to Agritalk. Let's get the Farmer Forum started. The Farmer Forum is brought to you by America's Conservation Ag Movement. Learn more about that at www. Dot ag web dot com slash acam Brad Nelson, Southeast Minnesota. Brad, welcome back to AgriTalk. How are you, buddy? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yep, glad you're here. How's things going? You're getting things wrapped up.
7: Yeah, we're working on it. We finished harvest on Monday, and. And we're one field behind on tillage. I got my anhydrous left to put on yet, and we're cleaning up around the dryer and equipment a little bit right now. And and uh, after we get done with this, I got to go rehang a shank on the ripper. So there's always something to do. So. <laughs> there's always something. That's exactly right.
0: Have you seen a fall like this before, Brad, where you have basically got in the combine seat and now here you are having to replace a shank on the ripper? It it
7: barely a break yeah yeah well you haven't had any breaks in 2012 it was a month earlier but it was just nonstop once we started and you know there's some other years where we've had dry falls but you know this is definitely one that's pretty dry and it'd be good to get a little rain so
0: yeah well it looks like we've got some coming uh at the end of this week and and maybe even another shot next week is that in the forecast for you
7: yeah, we got some rain for even starting tomorrow through Sunday, you know, on and off. Yep. So I don't think we have big amounts coming, but Man, <laughs> we'll, we'll take, take what we I'll can take get anything. when I still got field <laughs> Yeah, and when we got field work left to do, we don't want to get too wet. <laughs> so... Right, that's right, that's
0: right. Um, did you stay away from the tar spot this year, Brad, or did it get into you?
7: It did not hurt yield at least noticeably, at least, you know, our crop came in above average, but it definitely settled in late. You know, there was hybrid that had a lot of spotting on it Okay. as we rolled into the last two weeks of the growing season. And, you know, it was obviously very visible while you're harvesting the crop. You could see it on the leaves, you know. Yeah. But so it'll be yeah. a worry next year. There's any no question about it.
0: Yeah, no doubt, no, no doubt. How did the
7: beans finish for you? You know, I finished a little above APH. Our crop okay. was, you know, one of our better ones. There any question about it. Probably second or third in my all-time farming history is about equal to last year. It would be a good way to put it for me. Okay. So, All right. All right, cool. Oh, so, yeah. Let's I'm go. Happy with them, but good. I was hoping for more. (laughs) (laughs) Of course,
8: of course.
0: Tim Gregerson, far eastern Nebraska. Tim, welcome back. How are you, man?
8: Hey, good. Doing very well. Thanks for having me.
0: Good, good, good. So, how do you stand? Where are things on harvest?
8: Um, Yeah, we finished up about 10 days ago. We probably got four or five people in our county still harvesting some corn. Bigger guys that just don't get after it quite as fast. Um, But yeah beans were done in this county probably a couple weeks ago uh speedy harvest no rain hardly have to hardly even have to wash the equipment off at the end of harvest uh, no breaks um no rain we are hoping for maybe up to 50 hundreds in east central nebraska maybe southeast nebraska might get 7500 to an inch on friday um we need it um we run a fall strip strip till program and we try to put our dry and anhydrous on at the same time. And we, I've seen no anhydrous going on. I think it's kind of a double dog there to see who goes first around here. Um, The irrigated soils, I think it will seal on, but then you get your pivot corners, which we've pretty much farmed the same around here in Eastern Nebraska and rows are terrible hard. It's really hard on, on tillage equipment. Um, We are doing less tillage this fall, but we do a decent amount of tillage yet because we're in a river, the Missouri River bottom, and Mm -hmm. uh, our soils actually kind of need that different than other areas.
0: Yep, yep. Boy, how'd the corn do? Uh,
8: Our yields on corn and beans were the most variable we've ever had. They were more variable than 2012 because some of our yields were actually higher on on the irrigated particularly than in 2012 and our better irrigated field or our better dryland fields the yields were a little bit higher than in 2012 but uh, there was a lot of dryland corn around here in the 75 to 110 bushel range on dryland corn and then there was some on up to 150 160 on the better soils or maybe where somebody caught a rain uh, which was not very, very big areas in Nebraska this year. Um, beans are again, quite variable. I mean, our range on whole field averages were, were like 27 to 81 on whole field averages. So, I mean, just all over the board, you didn't know when you drove into a field, any other year, you kind of know what a field's going to yield. You know, you've walked them. you kind of looked around, you know, this year yep. you could drive into a field and try to label that, that yield before you started. And and boy, yeah. you could be way off. This wow. Trip. Yeah, that's
0: crazy. That's crazy. Hey, Brad, Tim mentioned some of the concerns that he's got with going out and putting anhydrous down. Is the dry soils going to slow you down on putting anhydrous out
7: there this this fall? Well, I haven't been in a big rush to get out and do it because it is so dry. And, you know, I do it myself instead of hiring it done. But most, there's a lot of people putting it on around here, yeah. so I'm assuming it's going fine. But you know, it'd be better to have a little bit of rain and Brad, hit I, it like next. I, year I would, something.
0: I would guess that those that are putting it on are assuming that it's going fine too. I don't even know if you can check and see if things are sealing up and you're keeping it.
7: Well, I would think if you were behind the applicator, you'd you know you know what yeah. it's like normally. And you know? if it's stronger than that, you know, then it'd yeah, be a concern. But I'd, I'm i more concerned on a really wet year when we try to do it than on a year like this when it's dry. Okay. That anhydrous will adhere to just a little bit of moisture, you know. And yeah. It just kind of depends on how lumpy a guy's field is. And I doubt they're too bad this year, to be honest with you. So right. I'm not right. super concerned about it, but a little moisture would be
8: better.
0: Yeah yep and tim with the price of it this fall you don't want to do it wrong do you
8: no no that's for sure um i tend to agree with brad that a a little bit of moisture it doesn't take a lot of moisture to attach um we use a uh nitrogen stabilizer um with all of our nitrogen products on our farm so um i mean that helps but you do got to have a little bit of moisture there to seal and and you can tell by walking behind it if, if you're sealing good or not and uh yeah, we did lock our anhydrous in in uh, around the first of September. Uh, don't always like to prepay a, a high dollar expenses like that too far ahead, but uh, with the issues last year, we decided to go ahead. They it had come back down in price some over the summer, um, but nowhere near as low as last year, but not not as high as it got last spring either. So right. it's a it's a huge, huge investment. We may be applying more side dress. Uh, we we double and triple apply our nitrogen on our corn crop. And we may have to boost, uh, push some of it a higher rate over to our side dress. Possibly, we'll see how the weather goes. Okay.
0: All right, interesting. So, marketing this year's crop, the twenty-two crop. Brad, are you using the grain bin set up, or 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 are you moving some of the crop to town?
7: We're moving some of the crop to town. Our our bins are full, though. I can't store everything we grow but uh so we are moving some stuff to town right now that's one of the things we're working on is getting one of my last cash contracts filled pulling out bend centers and that sort of thing and then i do have some more more corn price that i will probably move as a basis i mean it's really good right now the basis for like last half november and early december you know is yeah closing in on options so yeah something you want to take advantage of if you got corn priced and even if you don't the price is good anyway so
0: yeah tim have you ever seen a harvest season with marketing opportunities like this especially over your way with a with the short crop
8: right right yeah 2012 would have rivaled it a little bit but yeah Yeah. to have uh have the basis to be as strong in the West here as it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's very rare. Um, we're looking on some of our old crop to get a little bit more bumping basis and, and move some of that. But, uh, as far as like on the new crop, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a long ways away and yeah. it looks like we're probably setting up to have a little bit of a battle, uh, late winter or, you know, winter, midwinter to late winter on, on, uh, acreage battle a little bit, you know? Yeah. It, it's,
0: the technical makeup, and I know that you follow the charts and you take a you you pay attention to what's going on on the charts. It makes it hard to pull the trigger on some of those sales, but when you pencil everything down to the bottom line and what it might mean for you, that might make it a little bit easier to pull the trigger on some sales, huh?
8: Definitely, yep, definitely does, and yeah, we're we're close to making some. Um, I mean, gosh, a week like this, you know, until midnight last night, it looked like we had kind of broken above new levels. Corn was, uh, as high as it had been since back in last June. And we're kind of breaking through the, the trading range we're in. And, uh, then you wake up with a little, little media talk this morning and a little surprise. And now you're right back in the range. So I'm not sure exactly where we're going there.
0: Yeah. It's not easy making decisions in this kind of environment, is it Brad?
7: No, it isn't. I mean, you're just, the economy is really in flux. You got all this dry Midwest corn and soybean country. So you don't know what that's ultimately going to mean for next year. A lot of times, you know, we've had a gone through a, I haven't, but the Western Corn Belts had a drought yep. this year, but now we're going into another late fall and winter dry yet. And usually that's, You know, that's a problem
0: for us in the next year. Yep. That's right. That's right. Okay. You guys, one of the things that Jim talked about a lot was higher interest rates. Let's talk about the interest rate situation next.
3: To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest. Timing is everything.
4: The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash incentive to see if you're eligible.
1: When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on Agritalk with Chip Flory.
0: Welcome back to Talk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this morning for the Farmer Forum. Brad Nelson from Minnesota. Tim Gregerson from Nebraska. Guys, when we were talking with Jim Minter from Purdue University and talking about the things that that are at the top of the list of issues that producers are concerned about going forward when policies and programs – I mean, there were farm bill questions in here, guys, and interest rates were right at the top of the list of what farmers are concerned about. Gregerson, are you in agreement with that?
8: Oh, yeah, fully in agreement with that. It, you know, we got lulled to sleep for years, you know, with uh, 35 to 4.5% interest rates, you know, under 5 for for basically kind of dec- a couple decades now. And so you kind of get complacent and don't always, you know, you just figure that normal number in for those decades. And now all of a sudden it's, it's double. You start starting to to figure, you figure it in and you're going, Oh, the interest rates have basically doubled for what we've had the last 20, 25 years.
0: Yeah. Tim, or uh, excuse me, Brad, what about you? What's your thoughts on this?
7: Yeah. You're looking at double the expense now for working capital that you're borrowing and, you know in any improvements or purchases you make the interest rates a lot higher and you know i got, bought a couple of pieces of equipment this summer and i made sure i financed them you know because the rates were they were higher but i figured they were going higher so i'm kind of glad i did that you know i'm yep. pretty up capital now and for now instead of instead of worrying yep. about paying off a piece yep. of equipment i bought and I mean, and you're looking at just the P and K, and anhydrous is way higher. So you're working over a lot of cash for that stuff, and
8: you know you're, you're just yeah,
7: you're just looking at a lot more capital costs and interest costs. There's just no two ways about it.
0: That's right, that's right, and it makes everything a little more difficult going forward. You know, we talk about fuel prices a lot, Tim. And it it does make a difference, but it doesn't make the difference of doubling of interest costs. It doesn't compare to the increases that we've seen in fertilizer. But still, we got to pay attention to what's going on with fuel prices too, right?
8: Yeah, definitely. Um, it seems like uh, the refineries' uh, capacity has been kind of limited throughout the last six to nine months, and maybe some of that's coming back on board, but. Uh, I know the East Coast has got, you know, higher diesel prices than us for their, their heating because they got less refiners. But uh, yeah. once you start figuring in the increase in the interest and the increase in the fuel and, and any, any other expense, you know, it's kind of a double whammy. You, you really do <laughs> got to pencil it out because it's it's big now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So we had Biden uh, leveling, uh, leveling criticism on, on the big profits at refiners. Uh, he he's done the same thing with the meat packers. What if he looks at your financials, Brad, and says, and decides that farmers are making too much
7: money? <laughs> I guess they look at them every year anyway at the end of the year for <laughs> you know good old IRS. Yep. So I guess we got we're not hiding anything. And you know, I guess I look at the government as not your friend. They never have been your friend, and. Guy's it's going to have to ultimately deal with it, whatever comes your way. And, you know, all I can say is when the government is your friend, you better get out and vote and, and yep. uh, work to overcome what's going on in our country these days.
0: So Yep. Is that what's been on your mind as you've been out in the field and, and everything this, this fall, Brad? Thinking about that?
7: Well... For two years, it's been on my mind to be perfectly honest with you because yeah. I I don't feel like that the government, like I just said, is anybody's friend and they're not working for us. They're working against us. They've weaponized many agencies against the American people and opponents. The censorship is pretty rampant for people that have a, a bigger voice than somebody like me. And, you know, is that America? No, it isn't, you know? and. Yeah we need uh the people need to put a stop to it that's the bottom line tim what have you been thinking about uh leading up
0: to next week's election
8: um well you know hopefully there's a change coming um like brad said i guess people need to it's hard to know with the censorship in the media what the Dominant thoughts are out there, but boy, as I go speak to my friends locally and this and that, there's a lot of commonality and uh, a lot of things that want to, you know, to keep the heartland going and get back where where we were as, as Americans, you know. But yeah, I, I think about that. Um, as far as coming after the farmer for making profit, you know, great. There's not very many grain farms that are very vertically integrated and you still have to we'll go through periods of time where we don't make money but you still have to let farmers make money because we get so much of our uh we're just at the bottom of the totem pole you know and they shave so much off of it before it gets to a grocery store and stuff um but we're still the one that produces it so they gotta they gotta take care of the people producing the food and it seems like right now um they want to they want to talk about less food, you know, and, and people, you know, the higher prices of food and maybe even less food. So that's part of what's uh, putting this out there with the inflation.
0: Yeah, there are some in and it's not just the uh, the younger generation. It's across all ages. I've seen evidence of it that when they talk about environmental issues, they they think the answer is to ban farming they give no consideration to the fact that that is where their food comes from and that is part of you know you don't you want them to understand it without having to learn the lesson we don't want anybody to go hungry for any period of time you know you know the, part of the of what makes american farming and agriculture great is that we do have an abundant and a safe and an affordable, for the most part, food supply. If you want to put the 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 rules and regulations in place that that change that, I got to question your motives. Who doesn't want an abundant and safe and affordable food supply? You guys, great job today. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much, you guys. Um, be safe out there as you're wrapping things up. Okay. Brad Nelson, Minnesota. Tim, you bet. Tim Gregerson in Nebraska. Two of my favorites, right there. All right, come back this afternoon. We are going to have a conversation about dairy with Alyssa Badger.